family. We're going to take a few minutes, and I, I really have a word on my heart today for, um, I think, all of us, including I'm preaching to myself this morning as we posture to move into 2019. How many of you know 2019 is going to be an amazing year? Yeah. The reason I know that, the word of the Lord says that we move from glory to, it's always getting better. Our lives are always on the increase in Jesus. And so we are posturing ourselves for that. And we're going to take a look into the heart. I'm, I'm actually going to be talking about Jesus being the guardians of our heart. Um, all of us collectively in this room. And I want to just, by the grace of the Lord, bring some revelation on the heart, which is the soul of man. And um, it's important for us to understand because, you see, the soul of man, the heart, which is the mind, our belief systems, uh, our will, the actions that come from those belief systems, and then the emotions that drive those actions, that at times amplify those actions, right? Positively or negatively. How many emotional people in the room? Can I see it? Come on, emotional people. Um, you know, it, it's so important for us to understand what, what God is up to here with the human heart because Proverbs says this in, in chapter 4, verse 23. Look at this. It's, this is massive. It, it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Man, I mean, that is a verse that we should have posted before us. Like, man, the heart itself determines the course of our life. And how we allow the Lord to guard it will determine our future. It really will. As we move into 2019, it will determine our future. And, and, and it's not us guarding our hearts. It's trusting Jesus to be the guardian of our hearts, which is hard to do. We're going we're gonna to take a look into that. The, the thing is, it, you know, in this it's super simple. We just need to give him permission. God never comes in uninvited. He, he comes in with invitation. Isn't that amazing? The God who created our heart, he never barges his way into that space. He only comes invited. Invited. Because I, I really am longing to see something happen this morning because there's a destination that God has for us to go to together over the course of 2019. Do you believe that? Yes. And I declare that nothing or no one is going to deter us from what the Lord has for our community, for those watching over online, for those that are going to listen to this message, for, for our nation, for the nation of the world, wherever you may be from, there's nothing that's going to deter us from what the Lord has, including our own selves. So as we begin this morning, I want to just put this little verse out. We're going to kind of ease our way in. I'm setting a little context, and then we're just going to look at one brief portion of Scripture. But in 2 Chronicles, it says this in chapter 16, verse 9. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, this is a grace verse, meaning there's a divine enabling source that's otherworldly, that comes from Jesus, that is longing because of the passion on his heart to come and strengthen our hearts. 
But it says it will happen to those who are fully committed to him. Now, I almost glossed over that verse, but I decided to go a little deeper, pulled up the Hebrew word that, 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 was, that was there for that, that, that portion of Scripture, and fully co- committed, it's literally the word shalem, which means complete or whole. So in order for God to be able to fulfill his objective of strengthening us so that we can do the things that God's called us to do, our hearts have to be whole or complete. Now that's obviously a process. It's a process, but it's the reason he sent his son Jesus. We have the accomplished work of Christ that transforms our spirits, that makes way for our souls to come into the same kind of fullness, but we have to invite Jesus to come into that place so that we can begin experiencing his empowerment to step into the things that he has for us. This is worship. This is what worship is all about. It flows from this reality. For incompleteness, we're able to soar to the highest of heights, empowered by his strength. I was thinking of that video. This was another thing that struck me. I was like, in worship, it's like we just give him what we have, and then we believe that he'll take even more as we invite him in. It's like, I remember when I was first starting out in Jesus, it's it's like all I could do just to show up. But he saw that desire for me to give him what I had in the moment. And he kept taking me and moving me, Now over like 26 years of following Jesus, from more to more to more. And and the worship is intensifying in my heart. It's it's what sets the tone. Our leadership team and the people that that are really going for this. It's it's why you experience such beautiful presence on a Sunday morning. We've paid a price, if you will, by saying yes. By saying, Jesus, come and have your way. It sets an atmosphere. It sets a tone. Does that make sense? In fact, in our True North model that we're, we're really leaning into here, which has transformed people, transforming culture, it, 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 one of the main components of this is worship, where we understand our identity and we begin to walk in intimacy and we begin to fulfill our destiny. It, it, it goes along with engagement and relationship with others. We're going to look at that in just a minute. And then it gives us a heart of servanthood where we're like, we're going to give all to see this city changed. That's where we're going. That's the direction. So let's jump in. Luke chapter 11, verse 14. This is, again, setting a little more context here. Um, Jesus casts out this demon, just to to give you a little little kind of backstory here, out of a man who was unable to speak. And the man begins to speak, and the crowds of people were amazed. Why? Because he got his voice back. See, there's something on the inside of each of us when the heart comes alive. When we move out of brokenness that the enemy systematically interwoven over the course of our years, and, 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 he, and, he's, and he's derailed by our yes of worship, it, it begins to give us our voice back. Because we're going to shout loud this next year. We're going to be bold. We're going to have a declarative heart that, that is burning and on fire for the things of God, for the, for the desires of His heart, for our region, for our families, for our community, for our nation. You see, when wholeheartedness begins to manifest in you, you begin to, 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 to get your voice back. You're not so quiet anymore. You're shouting it. 
from the rooftops the goodness of God. Just yesterday, we lost one of our founding members of this church that had been around with us from the beginning. We got a text from his wife, and we responded by a phone call, and she said, hey, he's not doing too good, and I texted the team, and Sam actually reached out to the daughter of this family, and and then he could tell there was a commotion. She had to actually let him go. Sam took initiative as a pastor in this house and went over there, arrived just after he had passed away. And Wendy and I, he phoned us. We got in the car, went over there. And we were praying for the family. And I remembered thinking about this man at the beginning of our time with this this family. He was always sitting on the outskirts. He, He wasn't passionately engaged. And then an event transpired in his life, and I I remember the day. It was like, man, I could see it. He got his voice back. And he began to make his way from the outside into the inside. And he got right up on the center of the circle, if you will. And he began to boldly declare Jesus up until he took his final breath yesterday. And that's the truth. This was an amazing man. He was transformed in the glory of God because, because his heart became whole. We'd have conversations about it. It was amazing. But Jesus, in this example of of bringing freedom to this man, he's going to teach us a little bit about how the kingdom of God works in relationship to the manifestation of wholeheartedness. Now, it says in verse 17, because they begin to mock him, they begin to say, hey, he's casting out you know, Satan, by the, by the power of Satan, he, he, he knew their thoughts, and he said, he said to them, he said, listen, you got to, and here's a concept, you got to catch this, he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. The, the verse, the language there literally means to be brought to nothing. And he says, and here's the relational context, which we'll go into in just a minute, he says, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Does it sound like anybody's Christmas holiday? <laughs> no. We love family until Christmas. Come on, somebody. I'm kidding. But he tells them, he says, in verse 18, he says, You say that I am empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? You see, unity is everything, unity is powerful. Unity of heart, unity of relationship, unity of vision, unity of alignment with the kingdom of God. See, division on any level, relationally with others or in our own hearts, only is the only, listen to me, is the only way we empower the enemy. Did you know he has been brought down? He has been brought low. He has been openly put on display and shamed publicly as Jesus got up out of that grave. Do you understand that? We think we fight this massive enemy. No, we don't. He is completely disempowered when we move into this space. This is why we're going to see such a manifestation of God's glory as we take this, this, this message this morning and move into 2019 and say, I am committed to wholeheartedness. This is why Jesus is terrified of wholehearted worshipers. What? 
It's been a long weekend. I did the Dundee-Aberdeen thing, and now I said, Jesus is terrified. No, Jesus is proud of wholehearted worshipers. Woo! I'm back. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Grant. You guys got your voice back this morning. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Heart emoji, heart emoji. All right. Because here's what I believe. As we move into 2019, we're going to be complete in Christ, which is our portion. We're going to get everything out of what Christ did that we can while we're in this life. Everything. And this is important because like kind begets like kind. What you get, you produce. Who you become, you now empower in others just by the very essence of your life. You don't even have to try. You just show up, you be you, and who you are comes out. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, my gosh. gosh. He says with boldness because he was holding in his heart, in verse 20, if I'm casting out demons, bringing wholeness to hearts, in other words, by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Let it be said of us in our community, the kingdom of God. God is in their midst. You see, there's a massively important key here to recognize um, this morning for us to unlock this reality in our midst. Look at this, verse 21, then we're going to look at the verses that that I have planned. It says, for when a strong man is fully armed or equipped fully and guards or watches over his palace, his possessions are safe. So here's what we're going to do as we move into 2019. We're going to fully arm Jesus to be Jesus, to be then the guardians over our hearts because we trust him with the totality of our lives. Amen. Let's go have lunch. Praise the Lord. Because when we fully arm the Lord, isn't that crazy? Like we can disarm the Lord. By putting up a barrier, consciously or unconsciously? That's why it's good to have friends to call out those blind spots. Oh boy, now I'm meddling. I can say, hey, there's something here. You're not letting Jesus in. There's no condemnation over this. We all have it, myself included. There's parts of our heart that we don't even know that we're not letting the Lord in. And thus, we're not fully arming Him. To make the house of our heart a safe place. This is something that we must choose. Wow, the power of choice. Can you imagine God? Like, this is how he's not controlling at all, actually. He'll insert a little sovereignty here and there, but outside of that, he's like always wooing, always working. Pulling us into this place where we say, yes. So here's a question as we kind of wrap this up. How do we know there are still areas of our heart that we have to give Jesus access to? There's many answers, but here's what I'm going to deal with this this morning. Number one is that we have an inability to have deep and meaningful relationships 
They're either shallow or we become fully isolated. Number two, we have an inability to navigate relational conflict in a functional manner. Me and Wendy joke, we're like, man, the church would be so, the ministry would be so amazing, incredible, life-changing. We'd do it for a million years if it wasn't for people. But you see, it's the equation of people that are in our lives that in God's design actually are put there to bring something out that's beautiful. You see, I believe true worship with God is proven via healthy relationships with other people. Come on, some of the most expressive people I've had come through the heart. Oh, Jesus. They were horrible in relationships. we got to redefine what worship means, what it looks like. It's not an external expression. It's an internal manifestation of God. So here's I'm here I'm closing with this just to kind of go there this morning. Philippians chapter 4 verse 2. Paul who is the greatest apostle in my opinion that ever lived, he's writing to the Philippians and he says, "Now I appeal to two people, all right? <laughs> who shall remain nameless." And he says to them, it's probably a husband and wife. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> Bill will correct me on this later. Anyhow, the, uh, my, my theologian that writes me emails, thankfully, after all my messages. But if they're not a couple, I for, ask me, I forgive, forgive me. He says, please, please, because you belong to the Lord... What does he tell them? Settle your disagreement. When I was growing up in in Butte, Montana, um, it it was terrible. It was a culture of the the town that I lived in. In grade school, we had right across the street from where we played together on the playground, we had what was called Bloody Alley. Bloody Alley. I know that sounds so dramatic, but it was true. And if we got into any altercation, we would say, let's settle this. Not like Paul was referring to here. Meet me in Bloody Alley after school gets out. And Bloody Alley would fulfill the manifestation of its name. And we'd go home to Mama, depending on which side of the coin you ended up on. You know, either victor or victim. But how many of you know, this is not what God has for us. It's like I remember being going through the deepest offense I've ever gone through in church life as a leader. And it was kind of scary. I told Wendy, I was like, oh my God, I see now why people kill people. I mean, this makes complete sense. You know, I'm like, total perfect sense. Eliminate them from the earth. You know what I mean? But then I was like, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my heart. And he took me to a whole nother level. It was beautiful. I just envisioned me and this guy in a UFC ring. I mean, it was like, we're making progress here, Lord. This is amazing. But you know what I found? I found that issues with others, please, if you can hear this, don't really have anything to do with the other person. It has everything to do with how 
we respond in those circumstances. I remember going to this father in the region and talking to him about these things, and he told me he doesn't get upset anymore when this, this, and this happened. I thought he was lying to me. I'm like, you're lying to me. You have to get upset. He's like, no, I don't. I used to. I said, bro, pray for me. Pray. Put hands all over my head. And break out the oil. I mean, whatever it takes. Fast. But something happened to me. Because it's possible. It's possible to navigate this life and not become more bitter, but totally become better. Totally become better. Because I believe engaging your heart in trying to, to settle a disagreement, it'll do several things, but, but I just put these few thoughts. Number one, it's a perfect opportunity to allow Jesus to access a part of your heart that maybe he's never been to. What could Christ be to you in the midst of a relational challenge that he could never be to you any other time? Number two, it does not necessarily mean that the other party will engage as well, but we have to be at peace with that. How many times have we got hung up that we weren't able to reconcile with X, Y, and Z person, and then we stayed stuck in that place? You just need to go there. The responsibility is for you to go there, for me to go there. And then lastly, I believe getting to the other side of relational conflict without being offended will bring such a greater measure of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Any married people in the room, come on, on, wave at me like this. If you've gotten to the other side of challenge after challenge, it makes you a better person. There's some beauty of God that gets all up in the middle of this. Because look what he tells them after he asks them to settle the disagreement. Look at verse 4. It says, it says this. He says, always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Verse 5. Everyone, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead of pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. So opening our hearts up, this is what it, what it manifests. And I want you to envision this for yourself in 2019. I want you to envision yourself being so filled with joy you can't even take anymore. I want you to envision yourself being so considerate. You know what considerate means? Thoughtful of the feelings of others. Wow! What if we thought about other people more than we thought about ourselves? What about not worrisome? What about thankful? You see, when we allow Jesus... And trust him on this kind of a level, this is what happens, verse 7. This is all contextual. could prove it more another time. But look what it says. It says, then, oh my God, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will Oh, he's the guardian of our hearts. How do we get there? Just like I said, go through it in in ways that maybe you've never gone through it relationally. Allow the manifestations of his fruit to come, and it says then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can even understand. 
and his peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And you will be safe because he has been now fully armed to be the guardian of your heart. You know, I was flipping through the channels the other day over the break. Joyce Meyer came on, and I don't watch too much Christian television, honestly, but she came on and just felt like, hey, just take a minute, watch what she's talking about. And she's super practical. I, I love her teaching. It just gets in there and hits right, right to the bullseye of where she wants to go. And she was sharing a very vulnerable story in the message. She was talking about her father who sexually abused her when she was a young child publicly in front of all these people and millions watching over the television. Wow. You want to talk about something that will jack you up, mess with your life, if somehow your heart's not able to get back on course? I mean, her own father. I mean, if that's not dealt with, can you imagine the projection on God the Father? coming out of a circumstance like that. And then she went on to talk about her brother who, you know, had a lot of verbal abuse, you know, some physical abuse from the dad. And she was sharing how, I think it was a year ago, he died in an abandoned building in downtown L.A. struggling from addiction. And she said that for years, for years, they would they'd bring him into their own home. They would s- send him to different places, like, you know, try to help him in any way that they could. And she was sitting there, and she was saying how, here I am, blessed in my life, preaching to thousands of people, man, every day waking up, just like, God, what's next? And she said the enemy tried to condemn her in that place, saying, why, why is everything so good for you? Look what happened to your brother. And then she went to the Lord. She said, God, what is this all about? And she said, she said that God spoke to him and said, man, I gave him a choice again and again and again. And he just couldn't say yes. You see, Jesus, back to Luke 11, verse 24, he says, when a demon or a problem leaves a person and searches for rest and finds none, finds none, it says to itself, I will return from the place in which I came. And then finds seven other spirits more evil than itself and enter the person and live there. I'm not trying to freak us out with that passage. Here's, here's what, basically what I'm saying. We're not meant to deal with heart stuff on our own. We're meant to go there with God and with other people. And when we need to deal with it, we need to clean that house out and let Jesus come right on in. Because when he comes on in, then he is empowered. Our our palace is safe. And the next challenge just doesn't carry as much weight. But if we leave it, it gets harder and harder and harder to say yes to the love of God. And that is just not right. That that is just not going to exist in this place. 
We're going to make it impossible for you to say no. We're going to set up such an atmosphere and as leaders, we're going to live so free this year. We're going to be so consumed with Jesus on the inside. You'll either be so drawn or so annoyed being around us, you won't even know what to do with yourself. Because when we get whole and we become true worshipers, it gives real permission for somebody else to say, I want what they have. I'll take what they're having. You see, having given myself as a skilled workman to the gospel, and I say that not with any pride, I say that with total humility. I've given myself to this work in the ministry along with an amazing team that's in the same place. And I want to say this. We could collectively say we've never found blame for individuals disconnecting with God or others to be found in Jesus or in the church as he intended it to be in the word of the Lord. I want to shout that to the rooftops. The problem is never with God. And it's never with his church. The church is such a beautiful, beautiful thing if we would just align, align, align with what he's spoken about it in his word. It's the reason he's after leaders. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And all that remains will be of the Lord. It's why if you have a call to leadership, man, get ready because he's going to go deep. The pain is not in anything else other than the process of us resisting. Oh, no, no, God, not yet. But he's so gentle, he's so kind. 100% of the time, I found it to lie in the brokenness of the hearts of the individual themselves who are unfortunately are still enslaved to the destructive fruit of the fall of man, which is such a lie, it's been disarmed. It's been dismantled through Jesus. Let me give you this good news as we close. In case you've forgotten, in case you've never heard, Romans 5, verse 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, come on, come on, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because of your faith, Christ has brought you into a place of undeserved privilege, empowerment flowing from another realm into your being, strengthening you, raising you up to be all that you were intended to be before the foundations of the world. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory with other people. Stand with me. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Come on, I'm not finished. Get engaged here. We can run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character signals our confident hope of salvation. Verse 5. Last one. And this hope will not lead. Come on, come on. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. 
because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Can we sing this as we close?